we did not get to uh, J.P. Morgan Chase and uh, Jamie Dimon, what he said. Oh, yeah. How could Big. we have not gotten to that today? We have to share it with you uh, on tomorrow's podcast or just look it up. It's so important. He said that the government should just start uh, claiming eminent domain on farmland so we could, uh, you know, have more solar panels and, and wind power. Are you out of your mind? It's coming. You will own nothing and you will be happy. Uh, on today's program, we really nail down a couple of issues. Um, one of them is transgenderism. You need to listen to this and take a stand in your own life. It's a real challenge uh, to you today on the podcast. And then Jonathan Kahn joins us for part one of The Return of the Gods, a new book that I've been reading that is really exceptional. It makes it very clear what's happening to America. And when you hear the ancient gods and what they brought and what they did to a nation when they the people started worshiping them uh, you will see we are without knowing worshiping these three powerful gods and it is destruction he's got hopeful message for us tomorrow but you need to have the basics of what these gods are and are we worshiping them all on today's podcast brought to you by american giant american giant is um is one of my favorite sponsors um I love uh, the uh, the guy who runs American Giant. It was his idea to start this company. I think it was in 2012. Clothing factory started uh, was failing in North Carolina. Not actually failing. <laughs> they had to shut down because all the business was going overseas. We used to buy 95% of our clothing uh, here in America was made in America. Now 97% is made overseas. So this factory is going down. And he decides, let me talk to the factory owners. Let's, I'll invest in new machinery and skill development because he wanted to start making American clothing again. He's a real Americophile. Um, and he loved the old champion sweatshirts and the, and the hoodies that you can't buy anymore. They just, they don't make them like that. It's because we sold off the machines. And most of them were sitting over in Japan, uh, you know, sitting in mothballs. He brought some of those machines back. He retooled the factory, went and skilled labor here in America. And now it's the best sweatshirt ever. It is American Giant. Look for the best. Look for the American Giant label. American-Giant.com. American-Giant.com slash Glenn. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. <laughs> Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. How are you? Well, I am just wrapped up with good news today. Uh, we're, the job numbers have come out. Uh, wow. It mm, seems like maybe this isn't all uh, just uh, transitory. <laughs> who would have seen that coming thank god you did uh also we're gonna talk to you a little bit about um you know something that i just love uh dylan mulaney is that his name what's his name mulaney mulvaney mulvaney yes. yeah mulvaney even better uh 
Dylan Mulvaney, you know, he's a Bud Light. I'm sorry. Did I just did I just misgender him? Oh, no, I didn't. Because he's a guy. He's a guy. We're going to talk about his endorsement, not only for Bud Light, but also now for Nike sports bras. Now, if you want to have a guy advertise sports bras, you get me to do it, okay? <laughs> because cups. I start running, man. These things are jiggling. They hurt. I mean, I need a sports bra. Uh, uh, okay, so we've got an exciting time happening for us. Um, now, the government numbers are a little different. Uh, than the ADP numbers, but the ADP jobless numbers uh, have already come out. We're waiting for the government's numbers, but uh, it sh- from ADP it shows private sector hiring has decelerated, uh, and uh, it's another sign that the U.S. is headed for a a sharp slowdown, or dare I say it, rece- recession. Dare I say it, Stu? Dare I? How could you? Oh, there's no risk of that. There's this no is risk. transitory. Well, right. Exactly right. So the company payrolls rose uh, by just 145000 for the month, down from an upwardly revised 261 in February and below the Dow Jones estimate of 210. Now, here's what here's what they do. ADP. I don't I don't know what the Dow Jones does. I don't know what the government does. But I believe ADP has a very complex system because they're a they're a payroll company. And what they do is my understanding, it could be wrong, is they look at how many paychecks they cut last month. And then they give us the number that they cut this month. And they either add or subtract to that to give us the data. Now, if they add some sort of fancy algorithm, I would say that's why you can't trust it. Uh, But I think that's a pretty good one. You know, you're looking at all the companies and you're like, hmm, how many checks did we cut last month? How many checks did we cut this month? Okay, add or subtract. Seems pretty easy. Seems pretty easy, but the government has, you know, a New York Times bestseller list kind of algorithm going for it. So we'll we'll see. But uh, it's not supposed to be a good day. And the jobs, the actual jobs number is tomorrow, right? Is it tomorrow? I thought it was. This so morning. I know there's one something that came out today, which is one of those more like another different type. There's the main jobs report, I believe. It always is comes tomorrow? out on Friday and it okay. comes out tomorrow. Okay. Even on, I guess, Good Friday. All right. Yeah, there's some there's something that comes out. Today and jobs. Um, yeah, there was something else that yeah. came out separately today. But the big yeah. number, to, I like this quote, by the way. Um, this is uh, from uh, uh, chief economist at ZipRecruiter, actually. I think uh, the image for me that most sums up where we are, labor market, is a chart by Bloomberg's chief economist, which shows that mentions of job cuts are now higher than mentions of labor shortages and earnings calls. That's a big reversal after 2021 and 2022, where hmm. very much the years of the labor shortage and everyone was talking about how they were struggling to find workers we're at a tipping point now. Yeah. So yeah. That, so that we mean? had all these people living off, you know, living off the teat of the government and they wouldn't work. Now the people who will work are losing their job. 
So this is good. This is mm. good news. Um, by the way, Chat GPT, um, they uh, did an analysis of the uh, of the job uh, market. Uh, they did this at the behest of a, a Goldman trader, and he put in all of the things. He said, what, what do you think? And basically, he got back, um, we're all on borrowed time. So I think that's good. I, I, no, I mean, you know, nothing to worry about. Hey, listen, let me tell you. I don't know if you heard this. This is good news. <clears throat> but gold has approached an all-time high. It... Uh, it has passed the $2,000 level. Uh, the all-time high is 2075 Price of gold yesterday was uh, 2020. Oh, it was a fine year as well. Um, and uh, it looks as, it looks as, go, as though um, gold uh, is going to hit, this according to Citigroup, $2,300 in the near term we get up to three thousand four thousand dollars an ounce three thousand really you're in a different world okay the reason why citigroup is saying that it may reach twenty three hundred dollars in the near term uh gold has found itself on solid ground as the u.s dollar's strength tapered okay are, you, are any of your friends paying attention to this? Because this is the most. I read a diary of a guy uh, from World War II, and he was in Germany during the Weimar Republic. And he said nobody had any idea what hyperinflation even meant. He said we were just going along and we had inflation and, you know, things weren't great, but it wasn't hyperinflation. He said. Seven days later, that was the only conversation you would have with anyone in Germany. When this happens, it happens fast. It's not like we're, we're doing the slow approach to it now. This is the time for you to explain this to your friends and to your neighbors that massive change is coming. And the reason why you explain it is the opposite of what Neil Cavuto told me one time. Neil Cavuto, I said in 2008 that I thought we were headed for a crash and the banking system didn't make any sense. These home loans were out of control. And uh, he, when we got off the air, he didn't even look at me. I said, hey, thanks, Neil. Mm-hmm. And I said, and Neil and I were friends. And I said, is there a problem? Did I get something wrong? And he said, no, no, you didn't. And I said, okay, is there a problem? And he said, you're the most irresponsible man I've ever met. And I, I mean, it crushed me. And I said, oh my God, what, what did I get wrong? He said, you didn't get wrong. We know this is coming. We don't tell the American people because they will freak out. And I said, I'm respectfully, Neil, I disagree with you. We have to tell the American people or they will freak out. You need to brace people for this. It is the government's belief and it is many journalists belief that if they tell you these things, then it'll make you go do it. 
It'll make it'll just make it a done deal. I got news for you. Math is math. So it's coming. So don't freak out. Prepare. Prepare and prepare your family and your friends. That way we have a better chance of not eating each other for di- <laughs> for dinner. And that could happen. I eat a lot. That grocery store is closed for 10 minutes. I'm knocking on your door. I'm just saying. Now, I told you yesterday that China and Malaysia were discussing the Asian Monetary Fund. You also had uh, Brazil involved in this. Listen to this story today. Tell me that we are a superpower anymore. Tell me that uh, our friends are not going to abandon us and our dollar. Listen to this. The Mexican president, uh, Obrador, has uh, written to officials in China requesting Beijing's help in stemming the flow of fentanyl into Mexico. Now, I, for one, would just like to say at this point, I hope Beijing funds a wall on our southern border. If Mexico's northern border could just be protected by a wall, Wow, I'd be very disappointed. He said at a news conference that he had written the Chinese after U.S. officials encouraged him. U.S. officials encouraged him to reach out to Beijing in a recent visit. Why would we do that? Why would we encourage the Mexicans to reach out for help from the Chinese, our enemy? The Mexican president also struck out at the U.S. He complained about the U.S. in his letter and the rude threats coming from the U.S. officials to classify Mexican drug cartels as terrorist groups. I don't think that's rude. I think that's like fact. All right. We got to get over these. Well, that's hate speech. Not if it's true. No. Then it's just a fact. Um. He said, we've come to you in his letter to President Z. We've come to you, President Z, not to ask for your support in the face of these rude threats, but to request that for humanitarian reasons, you help us control shipments of fentanyl that can be sent from China to our country. Unjustly, the United States is blaming us for problems that in large measure have to do with their loss of of values that's not hate speech on his part that's true these positions are in themselves a lack of respect and a threat to our sovereignty and moreover they are based on an absurd manipulative propagandistic and demagogic attitude That's our friend Mexico writing a letter to President Xi in China. Top Saudis now said that they are meeting with the Iranians in Beijing for a new peace conference. Okay, listen to this. This this is coming from an Iranian official who's standing right with a Saudi official, quote, the era of the United States involvement in this region, the Middle East, is over. 
The regional countries are capable of preserving security and stability in the Middle East without any interference from Washington. The next steps will be discussed in Beijing. Huh. Do you remember when the experts all said that a Biden administration would restore us in good standing with the rest of the world? A Biden administration would put us back where we belong. And non-experts like me said, no, no, they won't. No one respects us with this kind of leadership. Little did I know we would not only not be respected, but we would be shunned because of what's happening in our country. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Let's stand up. Let's, I mean, not now, if you're driving, especially, or if you're in the office or in a meeting and you got the earbuds in and they think you're listening, don't stand up. But I mean, let's prepare to stand up. What are we standing up for? I don't, I'm tired of being against things. I'm not against uh, transgenderism. I'm for the sanctity of gender. I am for the sanctity of a mother and father's relationship with their child and their protected space around that child. That's what I'm for. I'm for my traditional Christian beliefs. And I know a lot of people are like, he's not traditional. You know, I, I believe all the same things you do. I just happen to believe some other things as well. Our virtues and our values are exactly the same. That's what I'm for. Now, I want to tell you a story about a mom up in Oregon. I know, I know. Why would you be a mom in Oregon? Some people are trapped. Jessica Bates is her name. And she lost her husband uh, and wanted to adopt a couple of kids. And what the state has put her through is absolutely astonishing. Jessica Bates is with us now, as is her attorney, Johann, Johannes uh, Viedmalm Delfons. Uh, Johannes and Jessica, welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Good to be here. Um, all right. So, uh, Jessica, tell me what happened. Your journey with the state on adoption. Yeah. So I felt like God had put it on my heart to look into adoption and went ahead and got in touch with the Department of Human Services. And after finishing their resource and adoptive families training, I let them know that some of their um, things that they teach about sexual orientation and gender identity, you have to support um, their views and you have to, <clears throat> would, would have to take a child for cross-sex hormone injections or possibly post um, pride flags or LGBTQ plus. Oh things God. on your lawn you have to support and i let them know my my faith convictions i could not do that 
and they ended up denying my application to adopt. And did they come out and say that? Um, there was a phone call where they basically said, we're going to put you on hold. If you change your mind, we can put your application back into circulation. Um, but we're going to put you on hold for now. And then about two months later, they did officially deny me with a letter. Johannes, what is, what's the case here? Uh, well, Oregon is discriminating based on religion. It's really as simple as that. They're saying, they're, they're making a sweeping claim, which is that people of a certain religious faith are categorically unfit to care for children. Uh, we believe that violates Jessica's First Amendment rights, both her rights to free exercise and freedom of speech. Um, and so that's why we filed this lawsuit. And when did you file it? Uh, we filed it, let's see, on Monday. So on the second, I think it was. Um, and what part of Oregon are you in, Jessica? Vail. I live out in Vail, Oregon, which is a pretty small little rural rural okay. area outside of Ontario. All right. Is that part of the... Oregon that wants to secede and go to Idaho. I do believe so. <laughs> I yes. do believe so. Yeah, <laughs> you'd be better off, and so would Idaho, quite honestly. Um, but uh, uh, so you must have support in your community, and this is just coming from the west coast of of Oregon. Yeah, I've had um, since the story kind of since that first interview with Fox the other day. I've had a lot of people reach out and. Just had somebody here at work say, hey, I want to let you know, supporting you with what you're doing. And, definitely a lot of support. Uh, and I would imagine you're going to take this all the way to Supreme Court if necessary. The Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, Johans, um, Johannes, um, uh, tell me about uh, your support and your funding. It all comes, you're, you're, you're doing this for free for Jessica, right? Uh, absolutely. We're a nonprofit. Um, we're supported by people who, you know, just want to support the work that we're doing, which is fighting for our God-given rights to live and to speak the truth. Okay. Um, so when Jessica reached out, you know, we, we said that we wanted to stand by her. Do we have, Johannes, do we have any other examples of this happening in America where the case has been tried? Uh, well, so on two fronts, unfortunately, we have heard from other people who are going through a similar thing, being discriminated against because of their beliefs. Uh, but there hasn't been a lot of litigation over this. There is one case that went up to the Third Circuit Court of Appeals that's sort of in the area of New Jersey. Um, but other than, and then there was a case actually in Washington where Washington State settled and, you know, they, they basically relented and agreed that it violated the First Amendment rights to uh, discriminate in this way. It's going to be amazing to watch because, you know, if they change like Washington, OK, we have to do that. I would imagine the culture um, in the government is not supportive of that. I wonder how much of this uh, is actually done uh, just without people knowing about it. Well, right. I mean, just since we filed the lawsuit, we've heard from people um, and, you know, unfortunately, I mean, hopefully what we're asking the court to do, right, is not just to protect Jessica, but to protect all people of faith, whether they're Christian, devout Jews, Muslims, you know, this goes beyond Jessica. And then obviously, uh, when when the state puts ideology above people the way that it's doing, um, it ultimately hurts the children in need, and which is, again, why we filed this lawsuit. It's amazing to me, Jessica, that um, the left always says, well, nobody's going to want to adopt these children. 
why don't you adopt some children? Well, I have adopted children. You are uh, adopting uh, or wanting to adopt children. And then they, they say to Christians, no, you can't adopt, which puts the mothers then in, the, in between. And what do they do? They choose abortion. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing how uh, indecent all of this game is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's definitely unjust, not a level playing field. And I think last year there were about 8,000 children that touched the Oregon foster care system. And these kids need homes. They're so much better when they're set in loving families. And that's, that's what I'm wanting to do and to open up the gates so that more families can help instead of less. It's amazing to me also, the, we know the um, foster care system is broken i i know kids who have been in foster homes and they're lucky to find a good home uh so many are bad and here's the state trying to take you know good decent people out of the mix you take christians out of the mix for foster care uh good luck with that good luck yeah yeah it's definitely discriminatory Mm-hmm. And Glenn, I would just add, you know, I mean, Christians have been doing this long before there were uh, departments of health and human services, uh, you know, providing these types of services. And, uh, you know, according to some some surveys, uh, practicing U.S. Christians are twice as likely to adopt as the general public. Um, so for sure, you know, and I think that it's really pernicious because it really puts, puts pressure on a lot of families to violate their conscience. You know, they may feel that, well, if I don't go through with this, who's going to take care of these children? Um, so the state is, this is really about pushing ideology onto people, trying to pressure them to compromise. Um, but all they want to do is, again, they're not asking, they're, they're not saying they're entitled to a child. They just want to care along, you know, serve alongside others on an equal, yeah, exactly, on yeah. an equal playing field. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it, Johannes. And, uh, and Jessica, thank you. We'll be following your story. Um, I urge you uh, to get involved. You can help fund cases like this, um, adflegal.org. That's adflegal.org. You know, I'm, I've talked to several of these legal foundations and uh they don't have a shortage of people willing to help and attorneys to volunteer their time. They're actually finding now a shortage of people willing to stand up. And that's not who we are, America. It's not who we are. You know, they always say uh, going gets tough, the tough get going. Well, the going has gotten tough now. And uh, we cannot let fear Stop us from doing the right thing. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. What are we going to do? Are you really that afraid? In the grand scheme of things, when judgment comes, and it's going to come to all of us, when judgment comes, even if you don't believe in that, you just close your eyes at the end of your life, and your life is flashing in front of your eyes. Do you want to see yourself standing up protecting children from horror shows or sitting down when you should have stood up? 
Give yourself a break at the end of your life. Give your life meaning. We're all born at this time for a reason. Well, there are a lot of reasons to be alive today. And standing, I can't think of a better, you know, everybody's like, we got to go to war against Really, do we? I've got, we've got to have reparations for slavery. Really? Because there's 40 million slaves right now today in the world. That's more than the 400 years of slavery combined. Why are we talking about past slavery? Why don't we be abolitionists today so future generations don't go, what the hell were those people thinking? Let's break the cycle. Stand up. Find the reason you were born. Maybe, maybe it's to help people like Jessica. I don't know. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. If you've been a long-term listener of the program back uh, around 2010, I think I started talking about the evil of Moloch and Baal and how I felt we were repeating all of the rituals. We just didn't know it. Well, a guy who's actually put meat on that bone, a great deal of meat, and I've learned a ton uh, just reading the book Return of the Gods is Jonathan Kahn, and he joins me now. Hi, Jonathan. How are you, sir? Hey, Glenn. Great to be back. Oh, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, good to have you. Um, so lay this lay this out for us uh, first. Kind of just. Uh, uh, show the state that we're in and entering if we don't wake up. Yeah, the, the you know I I got all sorts of emails recently when you shared the the dream that you had and you've been speaking about this for for a, a whole a whole while and the thing is that 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 we are witnessing changes in America that are massive, that are irrational, that even people who are not believers are saying, what is going on? Right. You know, that there's something. Right. And, and so the, the return of the gods is opening up this mystery, and the, and the question being that, what if behind all this, it's not just uh, happening uh, randomly, what if there's something behind it? What if it goes back to ancient times? And what if the gods that we, you know, we hear about mythologically, they're, they're not just tales, but there's something behind them. And what if they came back? And what what if we opened the door for it? And the thing is that the, the Bible actually, I mean, always gives the answer. And in the book of Deuteronomy, it says that when they're worshiping, when they when they're worshiping these gods, the word that it's used is the word shedim. And the word shedim doesn't just mean uh, you know, mythology, it means spirits, it means principalities. It says they offered up their children to the shedim, these spirits. When that word was translated into Greek by the rabbis, and they got into the New Testament, the word became daimonia. We get the word demon from it. And so what it's saying is behind these gods of the ancient world were these spirits. And the thing is that all over the world, and so, you know, when you, are, when you look at pagan culture, you're looking at the signs of spirit possession. It's all over. But then what happened to it? If to set the stage, what happened was G- 
Jesus happened. You know, comes into the world, the, the gospel, the, the word of God goes into the pagan world, goes into the, the world of the gods. Basically, there's a clash. That's why Christians were thrown to the lions in the, in the first centuries over the gods. In the end, it prevails. And the gods are, in a sense, it's the twilight of the gods. The temples of Zeus are abandoned. The shrines of Dionysus are gone. But the thing is, if behind the gods are spirits, then what happened to the spirits? Because the spirits don't die. And to that, the final kind of piece to set it up is this clue that Jesus gives. He gives this parable. He says, when a spirit departs from a man, it goes looking for a place to dwell. Doesn't find it. Says, I'm going to go back to the, my house. Talking about the guy. Goes back to the man, uh, finds the house or, the, or this man's state, empty, swept clean, brings seven other spirits, more evil than himself. They repossess the man. And Jesus said, the last state is worse than the first. But what people miss when they hear this is that at the end he says, so it will be with this generation. He's not talking about just a guy. So the warning is an entire civilization can get possessed, can be delivered, and can get repossessed. And the warning to America, or the warning to the modern world, is that any civilization, any nation, any culture that has been delivered of these things, like Western civilization has been, and it turns away from God, empties itself of God, the house is not going to stay empty. Something else is going to come in. And the spirits that were cast out of the house are coming back, or in other words, the gods will return. And if we want to understand what's been happening to America for the last half century or so, and the West, is that it is this. We are witnessing a repossession. We're witnessing a paganization. You know, the, the spirits, the, the point is to turn a Christian nation, or a Judeo-Christian nation, into a pagan one. And you, you, know, you alluded to something which is very profound, is that look what, it, what happened when Germany turned away. You know, mm-hmm. it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't neutral, it wasn't secular, no. it was demonic. Same with Russia. So that's what's happening right now, and we're witnessing it. So it's, a, it's truly amazing. You make such a good point, and you go through all the facts, and we have you for an hour, so we're going to have you go through some of these things. But um, what's really important to remember, um, the first commandment in the Torah, it, you know, Christians will say, you know, I am, you know, the Lord thy God, and you'll have no other gods before me. But in the Torah, it says, I'm the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery. And our founders believed we were completing that journey and we made covenants. So it's so we cleaned out that house. We were delivered from slavery. And now if you look at our society and you think, how could we have in eight years gone from abortion should be rare, legal and safe to shout your abortion? How can we go from a, a society that says, hey, love is love and you should be able to marry whoever you want uh, to uh, drag queen shows w- with our preschoolers? How, how does this happen? The, it, the answer is evil is real and it has taken possession of this country. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and when you look at the, the kind of the original test case, and you're alluding to it, I mean, more than alluding to it, it's Israel. You know, Israel was in yep. covenant with God. And when they turned away from God, it didn't, it didn't go well, and it, and it was not neutral. What happened is these 
principalities came into the land. They ended up doing exactly what, well, in, or other words, we're doing exactly what they're doing. We're replaying that. You know, you, you mentioned the, the founders of America, John Winthrop. You know, he dedicated America to God, this Puritan, and, and he said, we'll be as a city on a hill. He says, if we follow God, then the blessings that came on Israel will come upon America. Well, it, it did. You know, we, become the, we became the greatest, most blessed nation. But people forget what else he said. He said, if we turn away from God, if we turn to, and he literally says, to other gods, he says, to the gods of our prophets, the gods of our, our desires, then the, the curses that came on Israel are going to come upon us. That is what we're dealing with, exactly what happened to ancient Israel. In fact, not only, not only exactly, but the same principalities that came to Israel when they turned away from God have now come to America. So we are replaying this ancient mystery, and, you know, to much of the, you know, when you don't, have, when you don't deal with God, you're just looking at, it just doesn't make any sense. But when you, you kind of take away the veil and see, it makes total sense. So I, I was on this track for a while, and I'm so glad you wrote this book because you mm. taught me so much. Uh, and I think it's, it's a book that everyone in this audience should read. Um, it's called Return of the Gods by Jonathan Kahn. Um, but I, I stumbled onto this about 2008. I was watching the uh, Occupy Wall Street people and they started using excrement to smear on things. And it, it, it became so barbaric at times, so ancient. And I called a friend of mine, who I think you know, uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin. And I said, what ha- what's happening here? And he said, Glenn, this, the, these, this is ancient rituals. This is the kind of things that happened in the ancient world happened at the fall of France where they you know mm-hmm. smeared excrement over everything and the more i look at especially with our children sacrificing our children oh, yeah. that was important you talk about uh three gods let let's let's talk about the yes. first one uh which yes. is baal i believe is the first one for you yes yeah yeah, the, I call in, in the Return of the Gods, they call it the Dark Trinity. And, you know, when you look at the fall of Israel, when they turned away from God, they, there are three main principalities, or three main gods that really, really embody the whole fall. And the first one who's always mentioned, and you've mentioned him many times, the first that you always mentioned first is Baal, and, or Baal. And the thing is that the name means literally, you know, I call him the possessor, because that's what the name means. It means the possessor, the owner, the master, and the Lord. And so the thing is, he's the first to get it. Almost like that that spirit that when Jesus speaks about that first spirit that comes back to the house. So the, this is what Baal did to ancient Israel is a few things. One, it says it said once the door was opened, he began to, the spirit began to drive God out of every part of the culture, every part. And that's exactly what's been happening to America and you know we you know when you look at the early 60s, we opened the door. You know, we said we're going to take prayer out of school, we're going to take the word out of the kid. Well, it's a little thing, not a big deal. It was a real big thing. It's a real big deal, because you're taking God from the children, which is the future. It's going to set the course. And, and you know, the, the law of Jesus in this, the, the parable, is that the house, you empty the house, the house is not going to stay empty. So, you know, we took God out of the school. We took God from the children. Look at what has now come into the schools. Look at what has now come into the children, because it's not going to stay empty. And so what Baal does, he, we've been watching this progressive driving God out of the house of American civilization and the West. And that is a dangerous thing for any nation, any Christian
Christian nation to do that, or Judeo-Christian nation, this is going to, something else is coming in. So you have the progressive driving out of God, out of the culture, out of the public square. Or Then, also it says that Baal caused Israel to forget God. It was like an amnesia comes over the culture. Well, that's exactly what's happened to America. You know, when you look back before the 60s, you had an America where actually the, the public school teachers are leading the children in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we can hardly imagine that now, because it has been so successful. We've not only forgotten God, we've forgotten that we ever knew God. You know, that's what happened to Israel. And then it also says he caused them to overturn or abandon the ways of God. Well, we've been watching that progressively happen. We literally, it literally caused us to literally strike down the Ten Commandments. And it's not only in these, I would say, overt ways, but also in, very, in ways we don't even realize. For instance, you know, with monotheism, you have one God, you got one truth. You know, with, with paganism, you have many gods and many truths. So all of a sudden, there's this, this thing in our culture that it's your own authentic truth. You know, if a man says, I'm not a man, I'm a tree, well, then that's his authentic truth. You know, that's not enlightenment, that's paganism. You know, and another, another thing we wouldn't think about, and it's like, but the, the Bible says that when they turned away from God, when they turned to Baal, they started serving the works of their hands. They served their idols. You know, they become enslaved to their idols. Well, interesting, because when Paul, the Apostle Paul, speaks about the pagan world and the idols, he uses the Greek word techne. We get the word technology from it. So here we are now. We have become slaves to our own technology. We literally, you know, people are enslaved, a whole generation is enslaved to their phones, to the computer, and it says that they become like the ones that they're idols. They become like, so we're, we have a generation becoming less and less human. You know, we have, that one is just, just addicted to this, and while our machines become more human, start taking more power, we literally right. have artificial intelligence that can now master us. So, and, so and, in every single way, we, this is a process of paganization. And when it comes to becoming more like our master, we're now talking about transhumanism. We're, oh, now, yeah. we're now talking about merging man with machine, and that's five years away. Yep. Yeah, and this is, you know, this is also part of it, Glenn. You know, the, we have transhumanism, we have the merging of man and machine, we have the merging of man and animal. And when you look at the, you know, when you look at the ancient, ancient paganism, you see that's exactly what they did. Number one is they put, you know, they had images of yeah. man and animal. M- m- many of these gods are merging it. Well, we're doing the same thing now, not with clay, but with the genetic code. You know, and also, you know, the person was basically, was linked to his, there's confusion in paganism between you know, image and reality, and you know, and basically the idol and God. So yeah, so we mer- we're merging ourselves with our works, with our, and also even we have virtual reality. We're confusing. We can't even. We don't even have a clear concept of reality anymore. This is all paganism. Okay, it's all the revival. Na, na, na.